Okay, well, thank you once again for joining us for this Wednesday night Bible study. Before we jump into our conversation about friendship and our Bible study, I, I want to make a request, and we're going to be making this request over the next few days and, and the coming week or so, but if you would, if you are a member here at the Church of Christ on McDermott Road, or you've been participating in our worship services and our Bible studies ever since our current crisis began, if you've been participating in that, we want to see your faces. We want to see the face of your entire family. So if you would do me a huge favor, if you would send a picture, maybe a recent family photo, or maybe just a a couch selfie as you participate in worship or Bible study, if you would send me uh, a picture of your family, we're going to use it in an upcoming Sunday morning broadcast, but if you would send me that picture at Wes at ccmcdermott.org, Wes at ccmcdermott.org, I would really appreciate that. I want to see how many photos we can get sent in in the next few days. So if you would send a a photo of your family, we would really appreciate it. For one reason, we just all want to see each other's faces. In this time of disconnection, we want to remain connected to each other and uh, and see each other's faces. So I hope that you'll, you'll do that over the next few days. Okay, now Kevin... We are continuing our study on, um, on friendship, and when Kevin first sent me the list of topics that he wanted to discuss over the course of this class, uh, they all had titles mm-hmm. and, and sort of an idea that was self-explanatory with each title, and then there was one with this word, constancy, and I saw that and I thought, you know, to be brutally honest, I have no clue what that means. <laughs> and so I looked it up and I found some synonyms like loyalty or faithfulness. And so I changed the title of the lesson you wanted to do and I sent it back to you. And you said, no, it needs to be constancy. <laughs> and you were very specific about that. Uh, so yeah. that's what it is. It's constancy. And I'm sure at some point we're all going to discover what that means. I sure hope so. Yeah, this would not be a good lesson if I don't explain it well. Um, this topic it is particularly important for reasons I hope will become clear later, but constancy is a good word to learn. And I think, like a lot of things, it is good for us to try to explore new topics with yeah. new phrases instead yeah. of old ones that we already have attached understanding to. Yes. And so my thought was by introducing constancy as a topic and as, a, as something to consider, then we can kind of make new thoughts about our life and the way that yeah. we ought to act with other people. I love it. I love it. And I love words. And I love learning new words and, you know, just little, we've talked about the word nuance before, but, you know, just little nuances that, and connotations that one word carries that another word might not, um, I think are, are really important concepts. But, so we'll get to constancy in just a minute. If anybody's, if this is their first time to tune in to our Wednesday night Bible study, we're talking about friendship, specifically about Christian friendship, talking about the struggles and the blessings of friendship, Um, We're talking about how the gospel makes us better friends, how the gospel fills us up so that we can be and enter into friendships in a better way. Uh, But we're also sketching some of Paul's friendships. And I want to do that for a couple of reasons. One, because I think there's a lot we can learn from the way the gospel 
transformed Paul and he interacted with the people in his life, but also just so we realize these are real people that had real problems and their friendships had, had struggles attached to them, but also had incredible blessings. And so I want to talk tonight about Paul and Timothy. And so what I'm planning on doing is talking about Paul and Timothy and sketching their friendship a little bit. And then maybe at the end, after Kevin informs us all about constancy, we can talk about whether or not Paul and Timothy demonstrated that or how they might have demonstrated that in their friendship. So let's just kind of walk through Paul and Timothy's friendship just a little bit. Timothy was a young man when Paul met him on his second missionary journey. And when he met Timothy, he was already, even though he was very young, he was very well respected as a disciple of Jesus. We read that in in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Timothy had an interesting family situation His mother and his grandmother uh, were both believers, uh, Jewish, um, and and probably disciples of Jesus who taught him the scriptures, but his father was a Greek and probably an unbeliever. What's really interesting is in Acts 16, when Timothy decides to join Paul on his missionary journey and become part of Paul's work, Paul circumcises Timothy. Timothy allows himself, even though he's an adult man, allows himself to be circumcised for the, for the work of, of Christ. Acts 16, verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And Timothy, because he realized that, because he was Jewish and Greek, his mother was Jewish, his father was Greek, um, and his uncircumcision might have caused problems for the cause of Christ. He allowed himself uh, to be circumcised, which may tell us a whole lot about the way Timothy um, made sacrifices and and was willing to do what needed to be done for the cause of Christ. Um, When Paul and uh, Silas and Timothy went to Berea, Paul was run out of town Uh, by those that were opposing him, and he left uh, Timothy and Silas there to continue that work. Um, And then we have two letters, of course, that were written from Paul to Timothy. Uh, The first one was probably about AD 62 or so. Uh, Paul is imprisoned in Rome, and he wrote a letter uh, to Timothy, who was working with the church in Ephesus. Now, that's 1 Timothy, obviously. Um, I love some of the things that Paul says to, to Timothy, like in 1 Timothy 4, verse 11, he says, let no, or verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Don't neglect the gift that you have that was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that they may all see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And I guess it's really easy to read scripture and read like letters, Paul to Timothy or Titus or whomever, and just sort of read it as scripture mm-hmm. and forget the human element that, right. that this is somebody that Paul has traveled with, that Paul loves, that Paul wants to see do well. Timothy is probably, 
He's probably struggling and discouraged a little bit. Paul tells him, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Set an example for those believers in your speech and your life and your love and your faith and your purity. And so, you know, Timothy's discouraged and Paul loves him and wants to build him up and encourage him and, and show him how to, to lead and to teach the church with whom he's working. Um, but I, I want to especially look at Philippians 2. This is Philippians 2 and verse 19. And he's writing, obviously, to the church at Philippi, but he mentions Timothy, and I love the way he describes him here. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they, everybody else, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So I love the way that Paul describes, which is why I thought maybe this would fit into the category of constancy. I, I we'll, think we'll, it'll we'll, go well. We'll, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, love, I love the way that he describes Timothy's faithfulness. One, faithfulness to the cause mm -hmm. and that he is genuinely concerned about the cause of Christ. But also there's that relational faithfulness there too where Paul is talking about how Timothy is like a son with a father. And especially in that culture and in that context, loyalty of children to their parents, a father and a son's relationship uh, was incredibly important. Now we, we tend to be very independent people and independent from our families of origin. But in that context, a son being loyal to his father was incredibly important. And Paul said, that's the way Timothy is with me. He's like a loyal son and he does mm -hmm. what I ask him to do. And I know that you'll find him you know, to be that way as he encourages the, the church at Philippi. And then lastly, the last thing probably that we have from the Apostle Paul that he wrote is 2 Timothy. So it's the second letter that Paul sends to Timothy. Chapter 1 says this. This is Paul, again, of course, writing to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So I, again, I mean, it's really easy to read this as scripture and it is that, of course, mm -hmm. but there's also this human element of Paul's deep love and longing for Timothy and Timothy's love for Paul. Paul says, I remember your tears and I long to see you and that in seeing you, I will be filled with joy. And so that incredible friendship that here's this older man and younger man who met many years prior and who have worked together and have helped each other and have encouraged each other and their friendship is familial. I mean, it's, it's like a family, a family bond. And then in chapter two, he says, 
You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So Paul encourages Timothy to be like a soldier and stay focused on what matters. And it's interesting, he says, his aim is to please the one who enlisted him, which I think obviously there's a reference to Jesus, since Jesus is the one who enlisted us as soldiers um, in his army. But, but there's also a sense maybe in which he means himself, like Paul mm-hmm. is the one who enlisted Timothy into that service. And, um, and so his, his faithfulness and his focus needs to be and remain on, on what matters and that it's the grace of Jesus that strengthens him to have that type of loyalty and faithfulness, both to the cause and to Paul and to what Paul and Timothy together are trying to accomplish. So again, I really, I I love not only Paul and Timothy and the sacrifices that they made for the cause of Christ, but also the relationship and the friendship that they had with each other and the, not not just loyalty in the sense of doing what needs to be done, but also in the emotional sense as well and that longing for and crying over and rejoicing with each other in the context of that friendship is just a really beautiful thing. Whether or not that applies to constancy, we'll, find, we'll, we'll talk about maybe at the end, you know, how, how does Paul and Timothy tie into that? Um, but I would love for you to now explain to me and to everyone else that's participating what constancy looks like. Okay. Um, so like I was telling you before we started recording, uh, I have a good chance to poorly explain this. And so I'm going to do my absolute best here. Um, And I think it can be a tricky concept to apply, right? Maybe not a difficult one to define. And, you know, when we first prepared this lesson series, um, you provided a definition that I found to be inadequate. Um, And And just for, just for the record, (laughs) this was Webster's definition, not Wes's, but. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, absolutely. And so he had just a brief little definition and I was like man this doesn't capture it at all right and sometimes definitions are like that where it's like well you can define something and describe something but not understand where it fits in yeah right and so with constancy the I think the best way to describe is through application and sometimes the best way to describe through application is by focusing on when this isn't happening Mm. and so I wanted to give a few examples of a time when we can say someone is being inconstant. But before we do that, I want to provide maybe a, an alternative definition um, to the definition you provided, which was reliability and dependability, mm-hmm. which I think is uh, fair enough, but it doesn't capture it in application quite the way I would hope to. And so a way, I think, to describe constancy in application is remembering the higher goods of things, and we'll describe that, um, we'll kind of discuss that later, um, what the higher goods are rather than what the lower goods are. And so in application, we'll kind of discuss how a constant person or someone demonstrating constancy could keep the higher good in mind rather than the lower goods. So we all know the stereotype of a salesperson, right? A salesperson, you know, some are good 
salespeople. I, I've certainly met my share of salespeople that I thought did a good job at um, not taking advantage of me mm -hmm. or not taking advantage of someone I cared about. Um, but also, a stereotype of salesperson is somebody that would say anything or do anything mm -hmm. to get the sale. Mm -hmm. And so if we think about it, it's like, well, what lower good have they corrupted or been corrupted by? Right, and I think it'd be really easy to say, well, they've been corrupted by their greed. It's like, okay, that's not a good though. Right, it's like a greed isn't a good thing and we don't need to act like it is. Um, and you know, certainly in parts of American culture and um, capitalist culture, greed can be seen like a good thing, right. right? But I want to emphasize that this greed is actually corruption of a different good. Right, and maybe this different good is the stability and security financially for your family, mm -hmm. and the other good things that money can do, right? And so, a stereotypical salesperson would then be corrupted by their sense of security and be corrupted by the other things that money can get you, right? Because there's always something else you can buy if you just right. had more money. Right, and there's always something. There's always slightly more security, a bigger barn you can build. Mm -hmm. You know, to use a biblical example, if you just had more money. Yeah. Right, and so losing focus on these higher goods or a better good, um, then kind of leads this lower good to become an idol and then be corrupted. Mm -hmm. Right, and then it looks like greed. Yeah. And then um, maybe a different example would be a politician. Right, and so if we take a politician and say, well, somewhat like the salesman, my a stereotypical politician, and there are good politicians, I hope, um, but sometimes it seems like the more you know, the the less good you see in yeah. politicians. Yeah. But that's uh, maybe beside the point for today's lesson. So, a politician then, similar to a salesman, would be seen as somebody that would say anything or do anything to receive a vote or receive a coveted section of votes and certainly would want to be mindful of this circumstance in their life. And so we say, well, what good are they overemphasizing, right? And you could say maybe the corrupted version of whatever good they're overemphasizing is power, mm -hmm. right? And so maybe this lower good then that they're, they're idolizing in this sense could be something like influence or something like protectionism or something like basically like I want to protect my mine and my, my family and mm -hmm. my people and so I need to have influence in order to do that. Mm -hmm. But if that becomes the only thing you're going for, then it can be easily corrupted yeah. into be something like, well, this pursuit of power, this evil um, over-focus for something that is, no, mm -hmm. is not good is not something we need. And so another way I think to think about constancy is that if we don't have it, if we don't demonstrate our ability to remember the higher goods rather than the lower goods, then the, the goods that we do bring in our life, they, they lose their point. Mm. Like they, they, don't, they don't make sense in the same way, right? And so if, for like we can, think of maybe a few examples and maybe a good one to go with is uh, like Bill Cosby, right? Um, a person who brought unquestionable good 
to um, entertainment, but behind closed doors when people weren't around, when people, when it didn't seem to provide the same kind of benefit to him, um, he behaved poorly, right? And extremely poorly and caused a lot of damage for a lot of people, right? And so then this good that he brought was lost Mm -hmm. because of the bad in his life, because he was inconstant, because he didn't um, maintain this view and and kind of this sense of purpose Mm -hmm. in in his life, regardless of his circumstances. And so there are kind of two things, I think, to go off of here. But I think first, it's really important for us to provide a good conception of what our purpose is. Mm-hmm. Because like I, descri- like I described earlier, if we lose our sense of purpose, which I would describe as the higher good in this case, mm-hmm. um, we, it kind of loosely, it's like our sense of purpose in God mm-hmm. is our higher purpose. And all of these lower goods like protecting our family, like mm-hmm. influencing the government in a positive way, mm-hmm. um, like demonstrating love to our neighbors and mm-hmm. things like that. Those lower goods will be lost if we don't have this higher good. Yeah. And so maybe we can talk a little bit about how to understand this purpose. And that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think that's, that's awesome. And as you were saying all of that, um, it really did make me think about Paul and Timothy and, mm. and about the fact that their life, in fact, Paul seems to really admire constancy yeah. in other people and really be disappointed, might be like an understatement, be disappointed when people don't demonstrate that constancy. We talked about his relationship with Barnabas mm-hmm. and how that sort of became tension filled because of John Mark and the reason why Paul was so disappointed in John Mark and why he didn't want to take him on his second missionary journey was because of John Mark's lack of constancy. He lost sight of his purpose and what he was supposed to be doing. And so the fact that John Mark abandoned them on the first missionary journey, Paul said, that's it. You know, if you don't have this, then you're done. As far as coming with me, you're done for now. And, but Timothy seems to be, and that's what he was bragging on Timothy about to the Philippian church was about essentially Timothy's constancy to say everybody else is sort of seeking their own interests, but that's not Timothy. Timothy puts the cause of Christ above and beyond his own interests all of the time. And you see that even in his willingness to be circumcised from the very beginning. Yeah. And well, in that last verse that we read, it did please the one who enlisted him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, we can even see that as like a small description, like your purpose has been realized. Yeah. Right. Like that is what you're trying to do. Right. And so here where we've talked about these higher goods and these lower goods, this constancy is kind of this modifier, right? It's like, if we are constant to this higher good, then these lower goods will come out. Yeah. Right, and so whenever we think about the fruit of the spirit, those are lower goods. I want to be clear about that, and I, they are good. They are unquestionably good, right? But they are lower goods yeah. because they are fruit of something better. Yeah. Right, and so to be a spirit-led person is what we're going for, yeah. and I think the big question is how do we do that? 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tremendous thing that I've never really stopped to think about, that, that these are all, that there are certain things in our life that are products of whether or not we are focused on the, the deeper, important things like walking by the Spirit. You know, that's Paul's whole point in Galatians 5, is that there are some people that walk by the flesh and they, they gratify the flesh. And what's interesting about that text there is that he, he's really not just talking about like worldly people, like secular mm. people. In, in particular, he's talking about people that put confidence in the flesh. He's talking about the Judaizers that, that make circumcision a test of fellowship. Mm-hmm. And he says those types of people, they end up producing these works of the flesh yeah. and that are, that are things that you wouldn't think religious people would be doing. But, but back to your example of entertainers, and you, know, you brought out Bill Cosby, but I mean, we could have a whole list of people Absolutely. that yeah. you think, how can the same person do both this and that? How can the yeah. same person say this and then turn around and do this other thing? Right. But, but to your point, if you're only f- focused on, I want people to see me as funny, or I want people to see me as, as a good leader, or I want this or I want that, these lower goods, rather than seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and focusing on this is who I should be day in and day out in any circumstance, then you're going to see the fruit of either of those ways of living. Absolutely. And, you know, you in our discussion, you said, I just don't know this word constancy. And I said, well, that's partly because the only place I've really encountered it is in 18th century writing. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm sadly, you know, not up on my 18th <laughs> that's century That's just writing, fine. So. And so it was a concept that was popular during that time. Right, and so one of the writers in that time was Jane Austen, and she's a Christian writer, which is helpful for this discussion. And the characters in her books that demonstrated constancy rather than its counterpart charm Mm. um, were not necessarily really interesting characters, right? Because you kind of knew what they were gonna do. Like even if they got, you know, she was very concerned with marriage and especially the plight of women during that time. so when these women got a marriage proposal, it was a very big deal. Their lives would change drastically. And the characters that demonstrate constancy are frequently the ones that won't choose to accept a marriage proposal to an evil person, mm. even though it would change their life, even though they would get everything they ever wanted, right? But instead, in the, to be constant to their higher purpose, they would deny it. Right, which I think can be a useful example. Um, those sort of circumstances don't come up quite the same way during our life here in the 21st century. But remembering that sometimes people will offer you things or you will be tempted by the things you could get if you just acted poorly mm-hmm. or if you depended on deception or you depended on coercion or you depended on guilt mm-hmm. to um, achieve your ends. But when we do that, we're treating other people like they are a means to an end, right? And so we're not, in, we're not treating them like they are the thing we're trying to do, the people we're trying to take care of, mm-hmm. right? And I certainly think that the higher purpose of our lives and the cause of Christ and devoting ourselves to the many things that Jesus talks about, and that was a cop-out, we'll give that to that. But, <laughs> but whenever we 
fail to focus on what God wants for us and for our life, yeah. then we can make those poor trades. Yeah. Well, you know, it makes me think about, you know, in almost every movie, there's some sort of a scene where the character, the main character has to make a choice whether he's going to sell out or not. Yeah. You know, and this, the cynical character will always say something along the lines of everybody has a price. You know, yeah, everybody yeah. has a price at which they'll cave and they'll give in. And that is a very cynical way of looking at the world. But it's so often true because of a lack of constancy, because yeah. of a lack of somebody that their life really is devoted to this higher good, to this the cause of Christ or whatever it may be. And so if they are devoted to that, then they don't have a price. There is no price at which they will compromise and give up what they're doing and, and who they are. You see that in Paul's life. You see mm -hmm. that in Timothy's life. And you see that in their relationship with each other. There's nothing in the world that would cause them to betray Christ or to betray each other because mm -hmm. of their devotion to a higher higher good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then whenever we think about how we treat people in general, right, when it's easy to treat people well that we like. Mm -hmm. And we don't like everybody, right? right? And <laughs> I think it's important to acknowledge, like we're not going to like everybody right. very easily. Um, I have found through my work and through other things that the more I know about somebody, typically the more I do like them, the yeah. more I find it, the more I find them relatable or interesting or enjoyable to be around. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe that's a good small lesson to take with you to try to get to know people deeper whenever you don't like them. Yeah. But whenever we treat people we like well, that doesn't say much about us. Um, and people get a certain picture of us if they only see us around people that we like. Mm -hmm. um, and then whenever we treat people we don't like poorly or with disinterest or we are dismissive of them, then we are demonstrating something about our character and inconstancy there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, it's so like a person that treats people he likes well or treats his family well but doesn't treat other people well would then create a really confusing circumstance. Like, let's say that person's child grows up and says, you know, my father was a great man. And the person they're talking to is like, he was good to you. He was good to you, but he was not good to me. And he wasn't good to many other people. And so just like in the entertainer's example, this good that the father brought into life was sullied, was ruined in some way by their inconstancy. And so remembering then in every circumstance with every relationship that this person is an end of themselves. It is a, like they are a person that you should be kind to. Mm -hmm. They are a person that you should encourage. They're a person that God loves and God desires to be reconciled with if he hasn't been already, right? If you see your purpose in their lives, then that will help you to be constant to your adherence to this higher good, right? And if you fail to understand that and you overvalue these lower goods, such as um, <laughs> such as influence or such as even the, I was thinking earlier, like how we can overemphasize the fruit of the spirit. Mm. Um, it's like, for example, when we think about joy, right? I think we could definitely overemphasize the importance of being the importance of being joyful, where you say, well, you know, God only wants me to be happy 
or I need to kind of chase whatever feels good, mm -hmm. whatever feels nice. And I think it'd be easy to say, well, that's just misunderstanding of joy. And yeah, it is. It's a corruption and it, it gets sure. a not joyful. But I think we could even have a better understanding of joy and overemphasize that. To be like, well, we, we have no room for sadness. Mm -hmm. We have no room for anything other than positive feelings. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, whenever you talk to a depressed person like myself, it's like, well, sometimes I'm not going to feel good. Mm -hmm. And I need that to be okay. Yeah. Right? Like, I need that to, I need support during that time. And I think that's part of why Paul talks about you know, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice, right? Yeah. People are going to mourn and people don't always have an obvious reason for mourning, mm -hmm. right? You know, and I was thinking in a, an application that doesn't seem so abstract um, is, you know, we talked about in the first class that your personality, um, it would be adaptable, mm -hmm. you know, like almost like camouflage where you would blend in, right? And at the time, I said that as long as you don't lose your sense of self, mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing, mm -hmm. right? It's adapting. It's being kind. It's matching up with them, sure. right? And so I think in those examples, like maintaining your sense of self is incredibly important, mm -hmm. but at the same time, remembering that they are in their circumstance and you can be helpful to them no matter mm -hmm. what their circumstance is. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me so many things that you've said over the last few minutes. I mean, just remind me of so many things in Scripture. And I think about what Jesus says, you know, going back to what you said in the very beginning about being nice to some people and not nice to other people. You know, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, and really the Sermon on the Mount is all about pursuing the kingdom. It's all about, you know, not worrying about the other things you know, specifically he talks about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear, but seeking first the kingdom. But that also applies to things like how you treat people. And he said, you know, if you love those that love you or you do good to those who do good to you, what more are you doing than anybody else? That's what yeah. the Gentiles do. And the Gentiles also pursue what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what they're going to wear. But the people of the kingdom that are pursuing the kingdom they can love their enemies. They can do good to people that do harm to them. They could do good to people they don't know and to people that all they know about them, to your point earlier, all they know about them are negative things and they can do good to them because it's not that they're pursuing and it's all about what you're pursuing. It's mm -hmm. if you're pursuing happiness, well, then you're going to avoid anybody that doesn't make you happy. Right. If you're only pursuing feeling good, then you're going, to, you're going to avoid any circumstance or situation or person that makes you not feel good. And you're going to pursue situations that make you feel good. But then you're ignoring a whole lot of people and a yeah. whole lot of situations into which you really should wade. And yeah. if you're pursuing the kingdom of God then you can step into those situations and you can step into people's lives and you can love them because your pursuit isn't these things that, that are good byproducts. Yeah. Joy and happiness and feeling good are great. And don't right. get me wrong. We, we, we like those things yeah. and we want those things. And it's okay to like those things. Absolutely. Yeah. And we don't <laughs> like feeling bad. That's, you know, that's the way that it is. But it's about what we're pursuing. And if we're pursuing mm -hmm. the kingdom of God, then more times than not, 
we are going to experience joy. But if we pursue joy, not only will we not have the kingdom, but we yeah. really won't have joy either. Right. We really will, will get nothing that we're pursuing. It'll be corrupted. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. it, that, that joy will be very false. Yeah. Very right. hollow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you'll be aware of that too. Mm-hmm. Right. It, like you, you'll realize that you're missing something um, rather quickly. And then it will cause you to be like even more you know, devout in your pursuit of these lower goods, yeah. these corrupted goods. And so I think, you know, maybe the simplest way to describe constancy then is, you know, like in application to adhere to this higher good rather than the lower good, the thing that allows you to always be, always remember this higher good, that is constancy, right? And that is something worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. And when we think about, so like this is maybe a higher level discussion than a friendship level discussion maybe it's good for us to talk about how this applies in friendship yeah um kind of as we proceed through this lesson so do you have any thoughts on that before no i that's exactly where i was going to go as well is as how does this apply in a friendship both in you know making a new friend maybe but but even in the friendships that we have now how does this apply to that right Okay, so you just pushed it back. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I'm being a little evasive because this is just a, kind of a slippery material to yeah. discuss. And, but yeah, whenever we think about our friendships now and being constant in them, I think it's remembering that even if we can't provide the kind of support we would like to all the time, we can still be true to constancy, be true to our higher purpose mm-hmm. to them. So like, I think part of this is to be graceful to ourselves and that like, sometimes it's going to be harder to, to be all things to all people. Yeah. Right? And I think it's actually important we differentiate the difference between being all things to all people and being constant. Because, um, you know, if we say like, well, we need to be, like we need to treat everyone the same regardless of... Uh, you know, like what they look like or what they act like or things like that. If we do that, then I think we can be overemphasizing tolerance as a value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of overemphasizing tolerance, be like, well, I am going to be open and be loving and like I'm going to fulfill my purpose to all people regardless of all these things, right? But that might look different for a certain subset of people. Yeah. Well, I think that's Paul's, you know, that phrase being all things to all people comes from 1 Corinthians 9. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Paul's whole point. Sometimes we get caught up on being all things to all people as Mm -hmm. if that was the higher good. But Paul says, I become all things to all people that by any means necessary, I may save some. So his goal is the salvation of people's souls. His goal is to save people, to teach them the gospel. His goal isn't to be liked. His goal isn't to simply treat everybody, you know, become all things to all people. His goal is to adapt the way he's living in a, in a given situation in order that the cause of Christ might be might be fulfilled. And so his goal to, to the point of constancy is to is to fulfill his purpose, his mission as a disciple of Jesus, as an, an, as an apostle of Jesus in any situation, which requires at times adapting how you deal with people because they're individuals and they come from different backgrounds. Right, absolutely. Um, it, and so in our, 
individual relationships with people, I think maintaining a clear view of what our role is for them mm. is really important. Mm -hmm. um, so for some people, I am their therapist, I am their counselor. And so I have a very specific kind of role with very specific kinds of guidelines for how to do that well. Um, for my children, I am a father. For my wife, I am her husband, right? For my friends, I am their friend. And some of them I'm closer to than others. Mm -hmm. And some of that has been, you know, product of time or effort or um, opportunity mm -hmm. even, where it's like I, I just haven't had a chance to get to know them the way I want to yet. Yeah. Or I have had a chance to get to know them, but I haven't taken advantage of that. But being mindful of like where I am kind of in this role in adapting my day, kind of my interaction with them based on what my, my overall purpose is, which is to be an encouragement mm -hmm. and to, like, just like we talked about last week, to carry their burdens mm -hmm. and to recognize that like, this is all going to be very much hard work. Um, so in some ways I wanted this to be the starting point, right? But in other ways, I think it's important. It's good that we waited a little bit but as we are trying to apply the further things we'll talk about in this class, remaining constant to our purpose in life, yeah. in our roles for these people, I think is going to be a, a key facet of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe the best way to apply this in our current relationships is remember that these people are, are the focus of our efforts in many ways. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean when I say they're an end in themselves, mm -hmm. like they are they are the focus of our efforts rather than a way to acquire the focus mm -hmm. of our efforts. Mm -hmm. And to consider for ourselves what, how we can apply that is, is good in, in these individual circumstances. But whenever we go into these conversations, be like, how can I bring honor to them because of the purpose in my life yeah. rather than... Um, try to pursue some different kind of good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it just, it makes me realize how important that concept that we started this class talking about, about the, the way the gospel helps us to be better friends mm -hmm. because, it, because Jesus becomes our true north. Jesus becomes our purpose. Our pur we've said it several different ways, but I think they're synonymous ideas, walking by the Spirit, the cause of Christ, the kingdom of God. All of these ideas are the same idea that we want to live out the gospel in our lives. That's our bigger goal. That's our higher purpose. Our purpose is to bring the kingdom of God. It's to be the people of Jesus. It's to walk by the Spirit and let the Spirit do his work in us. And then applying that, that bigger purpose to every interaction, whether it's checking out at the grocery store mm. or helping someone who's going through a hard time or just being a good friend or listening to people or dealing with somebody that's hard to get along with, whatever it may be, we can be constant because we have that true north. And I really, it, it, it makes me sad to think not only of the eternal ramifications for someone who doesn't have a purpose <laughs> Yeah. or know the purpose for which they really were created. Mm -hmm. If they don't know that purpose and they don't know the purpose for which Jesus wants to save them, and they're simply going through life with a lower purpose of mm -hmm. being happy or you know, making sure their family has enough to eat or whatever, and those things are all goods, 
but they're not a higher good. They're yeah. not the highest good. And so they're going to struggle in their friendships because they don't know that higher purpose. And so mm-hmm. not only should we embrace our higher purpose, but also share that with them so they can be better friends. Right, right. And I guess in short, then our higher purpose is uh, bringing glory to God yeah. and um, treating other people as ends in themselves, eh? treating other people as though they matter. Yes. And they're the, they are the purpose of our, basically they are the thing we're trying to accomplish yeah. in our conversation, bringing support to them or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Man, I, 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 I repent of my earlier wanting to change the word because I agree <laughs> with you now what an okay. important word this is because I think that this is exactly a concept that we need to embrace. And I think that it's one that, um, that this really, this nuance helps us to, to embrace this truth that if bringing glory to God and pursuing the kingdom and being a follower of Jesus or walking by the spirit, however you want to put it, if that is our purpose, right. then we can end up treating everyone the way we want to be treated. Right. We end up treating everyone with love and respect rather well, than just the people we like. Absolutely. And I think Jesus describes for us in so many different ways, throughout the Sermon on the Mount and other places as well, where what it looks like to be the sort of person he's describing. Mm-hmm. And I actually think when we read the law, in, in the old law, in, in the Old Testament, then we can see that God is trying to do the same, right? Like this is what we should look like yeah. if we are the sort of person we should be. Yeah. Like if, if we are living out our purpose, it will look like this, yeah. right? And I think, you know, it, <laughs> that's part of why this is a difficult concept to explain simply, Right, it's not just a definition. Mm-hmm. It's like, in, like we can't even describe our purpose in a simple definition. It's right. like, well, it's kind of this, but it's also kind of this, and, yeah. and like, there's so much here. In like, in one 45-minute class, just isn't going to cut it for mm-hmm. for describing and exploring this fully. But you know, like being mindful that there is a higher purpose, in that we can ruin it by pursuing lower purposes. Yeah. Um, I think is uh, is really key, and it's something to struggle with, and it may be a, a good concept for us to continue to focus on. I'm grateful that you uh, you repented, um, and I'm grateful that I fought for this. And when I talked about it with Stephanie at home, uh, and I just said, I, I just I think well, I knew I was going to do a bad job, and we'll see if that if people think that. But um, <laughs> I I just said like should I dumb this down and just say like, well, it's basically, it's good enough to say this is reliability. Yeah. And uh, she was encouraging of me to say, no, this is a good thing. Yeah. Um, go for it. And so hopefully, hopefully well, we I, I, I agree with Stephanie and I agree with you. I think this was a good, good conversation. Great. So thank you, Kevin. And thank you everyone for participating and being part of our Bible study. If we can help you, if we can pray for you in any way, please let us know. Let's, let's close with a prayer real quick. Father, we are we're thankful that you, through your Son, have given us purpose, that you have given us that higher good. And Father, we pray that you help us to seek first the, the kingdom. Help us, Father, to follow Jesus. Help us, Father, to uh, seek your glory. We pray that you help us to walk by the Spirit. 
and that you will help us to live in such a way that the Spirit produces within us his fruit. And Father, thank you for Kevin and for this conversation we've been able to have tonight. And we pray, Father, that you help us to be constant in our discipleship. Help us to be constant in our love for our neighbor. And we pray that you be with all those that are hurting and struggling tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.